Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. Ah, what am I going to say? Hallelujah. Let me put this over just a touch. All right, here we go. Ready? Good morning, church. Carl Thomas, I'm the lead pastor of Revival Life Church. If you're visiting us today, I want to say welcome, welcome, welcome. I feel like we got an all-star team here uh, at our church. Uh, Corey, killing it in worship. Uh, Mikey and the rest of the team, including my daughter, of course, who's wildly gesticulating behind the camera right now. Uh, Duke and Chelsea doing the other stuff. And uh, got Sawana back there running the video. We got people just serving everywhere. Adrielli's even pitching in there. My wife is always doing stuff. And uh, Sarah, who you saw earlier. Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday. We are still in our message series. Love God. Love others. Prove it. And uh, I want to I want to kind of uh, as, as we're getting to a close on this message series, I want to um, just kind of encourage you. I want to encourage you what God is doing right now and what God, in fact, has always been doing and what's always been on his heart. Our God has always been the God of love. This isn't something new, uh, though people are rediscovering it. This is not a, a fad, though people are gaining momentum with it. Some people feel like uh, God has moved on to other things, but no, some people have moved on from God's agenda. The fact of the matter is our God has always been a God of love and He's always wanted us to be a people of love. And, and if you'll just uh, stick with me a little bit, you'll notice throughout church history and those saints who are a little older like me and have kind of seen patterns come and go, you'll notice that the church goes through seasons as it reacts to what the world is doing. And what we see is sometimes the world kind of bleeds over into the church and the church has to kind of react to it. In the 60s, the 1960s, we saw uh, that music became a really big deal. And what God was doing in the music bled into the church. And all of a sudden, we went from choral music, from church music to contemporary music. We found out that we don't have to just use music from the 1500s to worship God. We actually can use modern instruments and modern music to worship God. And as the church fought that, It went over into it, and now it's found a balance. In the 80s, the 80s were the wild days of business success, and Wall Street kind of ran the world, and everybody was going after money. And in that same season, God was restoring the idea that He doesn't actually want us to be broke, and and yet and still some people probably still overemphasize it, and we had an overabundance of the prosperity gospel. In the 2000s, the church began to be somewhat obsessed with power. And as we found that America was flexing its global power, the church was now flexing its power. Power over the enemy, power over sickness and disease, power in the streets. And the good part of that has remained. And what we see today is that the church has become obsessed with politics, not talking about politics today. What I am talking about is that there's trends that come and go, but there are things that are constant in the church. And I want to show you how loving God and loving others has always been and always will be 
a constant in the church. Whenever you read the Bible, when you read it, you have to recognize the Bible has not changed. The world has changed. The church shifts to be able to reach a world that is changing, but the Word of God never changes. We never change the message, but we do change the method. We never change the message, but we change the method. There's nothing wrong with using music to reach people. That's just a method, as long as we're not changing the message. Nothing wrong with, with using uh, the healing of people's finances to reach people. That's just a method. We don't change the message that God is love and He wants to see people get better. And today we see that the world is shifting and there's nothing wrong with using politics to advance the cause of God as long as the message is that Jesus Christ came to serve and the church is here to be an agent of that call of Jesus Christ to serve the world. When we look throughout history, the heart of God has never changed. The message, the lasting message of the theologians of the Christian church has not changed. Things pop up, things fall by the wayside, but those things that are true endure. What the theologians have recorded over history has not changed. Watch this. Let me just run through some of this. In the second century, Justin the Martyr, uh, he, he wrote, We who formerly hated and murdered one another now live together and share the same table. We pray for our enemies and try to win those who hate us. We love God. We love others. This is love that's transformed us. And in the second century, the epistle of Matthias says, Christians love all people and are persecuted by all. They are reviled and they bless. They're insulted and they are respectful. This message has not changed. No matter how we're treated, we still react with love. In the 12th century, Francis of Assisi wrote this. He said, where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, I'll give pardon. And where there is doubt, let there be faith. In the 15th century, Martin Luther said, just like today, that the God of this world is riches, pleasure, and pride. But he wrote that we need to put our faith in God, in God alone. In the 17th century, and those of you who are revivalists out there, why don't you search for George Fox? George Fox wrote, he, he saw many healings, many miracles. Uh, he wasn't what we would call a Pentecostal, but he displayed Pentecost. He said, I saw also in a vision, he said, I saw that there was an ocean of darkness and death, but an infinite ocean of light in love which flowed over the ocean of darkness. In that also I saw the infinite love of God. The infinite love of God is far more powerful than any ocean of darkness that's flowing out there. Karl Barth, the famous 19th century theologian, said God's high freedom in Jesus Christ is His freedom to love. That's the freedom that we have in Christ. We're no longer bound by hatred, but we get to love. 
Clark Pinnock, one of my favorite modern theologians, wrote, one may be outside the church, but one can never be outside of God's love. And at Revival Life Church, we say love is the transforming agent of the world. It's not power, it's not politics, it's not money, it is love. Love is the thing that will endure. Love is the thing that will continue. Love is what this world is desperately seeking. When you hear people in the streets, they're crying for love. Crying to be respected and honored and to feel valuable. This, friend, is historic Christianity. This is historic Christianity. This love changes the way you look at the world. I have to pause right now because Adrielli has two different socks on. And I just felt like I couldn't go on. I'll edit all this out. But, but, I, but I just felt like I couldn't not acknowledge that. It was too tempting. I'd have been thinking about it the whole message. All right. Had to be said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Ready? I don't do any laundry, so I, I feel you. Socks just magically show up in my sock drawer. It's just the most amazing thing in the world. <laughs> I just... My underwear drawer is never empty anymore. My sock drawer is it's just amazing. I don't know what happens. It's just, my wife is amazing. All right, here we go. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Friend, this is historic Christianity. Don't let anybody fool you. This is the faith that was handed down to us from our fathers, that God is love and he gives us his love to give it away. This is what we need to remember. We can get so focused on ourselves and what we need and what we want. We can forget that love is an action word. Love is actually a verb. You can't just love. You have to actively love. Love requires a response. Love is not just a feeling. It's not just an emotion. It's an action. Matthew 22, we've been studying this. Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is, watch this, Jesus tied them together. Commandment. The second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's, that's an action word. We believe at Revival Life Church that love should cause us to do something. Now, here's Sunday morning. Now, you know that we, uh, this isn't live, unfortunately. It will be soon. Uh, so right about now, the tropical storm should be dumping water on us. And uh, yesterday, hopefully, you uh, partook in our um, Saturday, first Saturday serve, and you blessed somebody. And if you didn't, today is the perfect day to serve somebody. Today's the day you pick up the phone. Don't text. Pick up the phone and call somebody. Say, hey, how are you doing? How are you doing in the storm? Do you have supplies? Are you good? Do you feel safe? Just love on somebody you might not necessarily call to check on. The Lord is blessing me in this season. Uh, the, Lord, the Lord said uh, uh, that blessed are you and people persecute you. And uh, I've chosen to participate in Facebook recently, and so I'm getting more blessings. The blessings are increasing in my life. And uh, when they persecute you, that's, that's blessings. That's more blessings. 
And so I'm just, I'm just happy that the Lord has given me opportunity to receive more blessings in this season. But we don't live for the approval of anyone but the Lord. Okay, here's my, here's my question for you. Okay, so Jesus said that love looks like something to our neighbor, right? John 15, 12, he said, This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I loved you. Now, I don't know about you, friend, but I'm glad Jesus didn't just sit in heaven and think about loving us. He didn't just sit in heaven and say, I am love. No, he, his love, it, it caused him to do something. And we all get to love one another because of how he loved us. We get to love God because of how he loved us. It's because of his love and what it caused him to do. We get to live together in eternity. I'm pretty excited about that. I hope you are too. But what, what does the love of Jesus look like when you look at it that way? What's it, what's it look like? This love is self-sacrificing. And, 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 and for some of you, I want you to hear this. I'm about to set some of you free. This, I mean, I'm about, to, I'm about to bring some freedom to your life with some perspective. Hear me. The love of God sets us free from worrying how we look to other people. It, it sets us free. Okay, watch this. I want you to hear this. Okay. The love of God caused Jesus Christ to put on flesh. Now, we know those of the flesh are below God. Jesus chose to put on that flesh, not worrying what he looked like to the angels, not worrying what he looked like to the Holy Spirit and the Father. He put on flesh and he came to the earth. Now, wow, we know, wow, 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 wow. We know that Jesus Christ was betrayed by the very people he came to save. Yet he didn't distance himself from those people. He didn't cut them off. He didn't cancel them. He didn't say, forget it. We don't agree perfectly theologically, so I'm out of here. No, he stayed engaged. He didn't worry about what they thought about him. And he allowed himself to be the sacrifice for sin. They humiliated him. They beat him. His flesh was ripped open by the scourging. And then they nailed him to a cross. Right? I know you know this, but this is the gospel. They nailed him to the cross and he died on that cross. And after he died, they stuck him in the side with a spear. Our Lord allowed himself to look. It says that he was so beaten, he was unrecognizable in Isaiah. And he didn't try to make excuses for himself, didn't try to cover himself up, didn't try to present a pretty face. And many times people talk about the scars on his hands and his feet and his side. But friend, he didn't have scars. If you read the scriptures, it says he had wounds. Scars are healed. His wounds remained. Why is this important? We have a God who is wounded. And Jesus said, be perfect as I'm perfect. And our perfect God does not have a perfect flesh. When Jesus returned, watch this, watch this. We make the mistake of thinking that we'll be more holy if we act like we're not wounded. We act like we're healed from our past. We, we act like 
no, there's no problems besetting me. I'm actually, since I have Jesus, everything is perfect. And yet with Jesus, everything wasn't perfect. Now we know Jesus was perfect, but that means perfection includes woundedness. It has to. Either Jesus is not perfect or perfection includes your wounds. Here's what I want you to know. Your woundedness doesn't make you less of a person. It makes you human. And we don't need more gods. Your wounds make you human. It's part of our human condition. Now, Jesus had a real body with real flesh. And it was the same body in which he died. And yet it was not only restored the life, but his body changed. Now, he was still human, but he was now glorified. What was once perishable was raised imperishable. And now he could pass through walls. He could pass through doors, yet he ate solid food. His natural body, which died on Calvary, was raised and transformed into a spiritual body. Now, it was new enough that those who knew him didn't recognize him at first, but it also, soon enough, they knew it was him. How did they know it was Jesus? This is so important. I want you to see this. How did other people know it was Jesus? Luke 24, he says, look, see my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch, touch me and see, for the spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. What was he showing on his hands and his feet? Wounds. Wounds. Jesus didn't prove that he was the Messiah when he was resurrected through miracles. He proved it through his wounds. The resurrected Jesus was wounded. This is the resurrected God. He conquered death and yet he came back with wounds. He came to the apostles, and none of the apostles healed him. It was only through, their, through his wounds that they could relate to him. Watch this, John chapter 20. Jesus said to Thomas, remember Thomas was like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, I have doubts. It's hard for me to believe that that's you, Lord. I have doubts, it's hard for me to believe it's you. And Jesus said to him, Reach here and put your finger and see my hands. And reach here, your hand, and put it in my side. Don't be unbelieving, but believing. Then Thomas said, my Lord and my God. You can't put your hand in a scar. You can only put your hand in a wound. This is powerful. You don't have to hide like you're perfect. You're not in a faith system that says you can't have problems and we're going to beat you and throw you off a rooftop if you have issues. We, we don't say if, if you don't think exactly like me, then we can't be friends. We don't think that you have to vote the same as me. We don't think that if you still carry the wounds of your past, that somehow that you lack faith. No, no friend. Really? There's people in the world you're only going to reach once they see your wounds. Then they'll know that you're human and you'll show them, look, 
Though I have wounds, I'm still risen. I'm, I'm not a Christian because I'm perfect. I'm a Christian because in the midst of my woundedness, Jesus Christ rose me up from the dead. This is our faith system, friends. And if we are going to be followers of Jesus Christ, we need to love people enough to stop hiding from our wounds. We have to stop hiding. It's time for us to show up and not let somebody think or make us think that because we have wounds, we can't share our faith. No, 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 no. I carry wounds. I carry wounds of offense people had toward me. I have wounds from people who didn't trust me, people who meant me harm that I trusted. I have wounds from bad decisions that I made. And now I sit down with people and I say, oh, whoa, you think you're alone in that? Look, look at this wound I have right here. Put your hand in it. See that I'm human, and yet God is still using me. I'm not qualifying myself for the ministry. The fact that Jesus Christ can raise me from the dead in the midst of my woundedness proves to you who my God is. I want you, as the church, I want you to let somebody touch your wounds. Stop hiding from what you're dealing with. Stop hiding it from other people. If Jesus was unashamed, friend, you can be unashamed. This love that God has for you is so real and so tangible. It causes us to take our eyes off of thinking that every single wound we have has to be healed, and instead we just look at our Savior, high and lifted up, who died on the cross for our sins. <clears throat> I, um, I, I believe in inner healing. I believe that we should allow Holy Spirit to come and minister to our soul in a way that we can have healthy relationships with other people. Absolutely. I also think if we're constantly looking for something else that needs to be healed, we'll never run out of stuff to look at. And at some point, we need to say, I'm wounded, and yet still I rise, and I walk by faith. I'm thankful that Jesus didn't wait for his wounds to be healed, to come back and minister to us. Now, this is going to stretch some of our, us theologically, because I believe in healing. But the Father didn't want Jesus healed. I believe God wants to heal every part of you. But I believe the wounds that remain don't have to hurt anymore. The wounds that remain, God can use for His glory. The wounds that remain can show that your God is alive. Jesus isn't hiding from his wounds. You don't have to either. As a matter of fact, I want you to see this. In Revelation, when the, John the Revelator was in heaven and he saw Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, standing. Watch this. He says, And I saw between the throne with the four living creatures and the elders 
a lamb, watch this, standing as if slain. The lamb standing as if slain. Listen, friend. Jesus Christ is beautiful with his wounds, and so are you. Stop identifying with your need for healing. Start identifying with your God, the healer. Who, despite not healing the outer, is using it together for His glory, for your good. Your wounds qualify you for such a great ministry. Your wounds qualify you for such a group of people who need to hear your story, who think they can't get through their wounds. Your wounds qualify you to be the healing presence of Jesus for people who need that healing as well. I'm so thankful today that this love of God can overwhelm even how I look at myself. Even what I think qualifies me, God looks at me and says, this I'm using for my glory. I want us to stop loving what God can do for us as much as we just love God. We just want to love God. I love what He can do for us. I love His gifts. I love everything He does for me, and I want more. But ultimately, I just love God, and I trust His plan for my life. I hope you do too. At the same point, I hope that you will love Him enough to love the people that He loved, those who are far from Him. Stop trying to be more perfect than Jesus to people who just need to know that He's alive. If Jesus had wounds, you can too. And I'm believing today, friend, that He's even given you new ways that you can take off the mask, come out of hiding, and prove to people how much God loves them. I want to pray, and then we're going to receive the Lord's table together. I ask this every week, but does that make sense? Okay, okay, that made sense. Good. Uh, I don't have another message, so that's going to have to work. But I believe that's the word of the Lord for us right now. This is what love looks like. I don't need to be perfect. I, I, was, I was talking in the... Uh, I'm supposed to pray now, but let me just give you an example. Uh, I was talking earlier. Um, I met somebody recently, um, and uh, they had on two different socks, and it was super distracting. And they were like, well, it was laundry, you know, I got to get laundry done. And I just think about how so thankful that one of my wife's love languages is acts of service. And uh, my sock drawer is never empty. And this is like, my wife is not my servant. You know, my wife does the laundry, not because she's my wife, it's just because she does the laundry, right? That's just, it is what it is, right? And uh, part of, I now recognize the part, part of the way my wife shows me love is by doing laundry, these acts of service. Things that she does around the house is not just because somebody has to do it. I now see it's because she loves me. I want us to see what God did for us because he loves us. These acts of service that he did for us simply because he's love. And instead of saying, I have to be a perfect vessel to share this with other people, will you say, I have a perfect God that I can tell people about?
Hallelujah. He really is alive. Now, have you thought about the fact that the way He told us to remember Him was remembering how His body was broken? Jesus said, take this as my body was broken for you, so this bread is broken. He didn't say as I was raised from the dead, as I was resurrected, as I was incarnate, God incarnate, as I was filled with the Spirit, as I did miracles. No, no, he said, he broke the bread, and this is my body broken for you. It's all through Scripture. Jesus identified with his humanity. And so I'm believing for you, friend, for a transformed humanity, humanity of love. So Jesus, I thank you. On the night that you were betrayed, you took the bread, you broke it, and you said, this is my body, wow, broken for me. Had there been no sin, Jesus would have never had to be wounded. But he allowed himself to be wounded because of what we did. God allowed himself to be wounded. We just thank you for that, Jesus. Receive the body. And he took the cup. Wow. Then just as we prayed for a new body, I'm going to pray for a new spirit within you. The Holy Spirit, the new wine, overflowing, the ability to heal and be healed, the ability to love God and love others, the ability to have wisdom and peace, this presence of God by His Spirit in your life. Wow. And I'm, wow. That I'm praying for a fresh filling today. Receive the cup of the new covenant. Listen, we love you. Wow. Hallelujah. Father, that you would, right now, in the midst of this communion, you would heal. And for those things you've chosen not to heal for whatever reason, we pray that you would reveal your redemptive glory in all of it. That people would see how you are redeeming the world to yourself. Wow. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I just see people, the presence of God touching lives, the presence of God flooding homes, the presence of God overwhelming people right now, empowering you to love your family, empowering you to love your neighbor, empowering you to love God and even to love yourself in the midst of your woundedness. Wow. Maybe, maybe this has touched something and something is manifesting right now and you're like, I, you're, maybe, just maybe your emotions are swelling. We have people who would love to pray for you. In the chat right now, there's a link to a live prayer partner. I think they call them on TV. Uh, but you click that link, Someone will set up a Zoom chat with you and they will pray for you right now. If you're new to Revival Life and you want more information or you just want to get connected, text RLC JOIN to 97000. And if you need prayer, again, click that link or just text RLC HELP to 97000. We love you. Be sure to Sign up for a life group so you can live this life of love with other people.
and you can get the transforming power of this love in your life. We love you. God loves you. Have an amazing week and try to stay dry. All right? God bless you. We'll see you later.